Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Shred Coach Podcast with Tom Adams. On this episode, discover how Ultra Shred Technologies began as a brainchild of Margaret Meyer's husband, Walt, and grew into a successful mobile on-site shredding business. Margaret shares their journey of starting back in 2000 with just a truck, a call center, and an outside salesperson knocking on doors, and how they've adapted and evolved along with the growing industry. Margaret Meyer, welcome to the Shred Coach Podcast. I'm glad you're here. I am so happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Tom. Yeah, it's really good. So if somebody doesn't know you, and I, and I expect there's some in our listening audience that may not have met you despite all of the, the, the history you've been in the association, you've been in the shredding industry, but tell me about you, your company, a little bit about what, what you do in your role. So I am the founding CEO and president of Ultra Shred Technologies. We're out of Jacksonville, Florida. We service Florida and Georgia, and our specialty is mobile on-site shredding. We started back in January of 2000. This actually, I give kudos to my husband, Walt. This was his brainchild. He had a commercial building maintenance company, and the facilities managers came to him asking him about the service, and it just seemed to be a good spinoff for us. And it's kind of funny because when he wanted to start the business, I had little kids at home and he said, honey, how about, I already have one business in my name. How about if we put it in your name? You won't have to do much. (laughs) (laughs) Famous uh, last word. Yeah. He, he got me good on that. uh, Cause you know, at that time, my background is in teaching. And so I love to learn and teach, but I didn't know a whole lot. I really depended on him to help with that. Well, let, let, let's dig into that part because so in 2000, Walt's running a janitorial business, you yes. said, or a clean? Yes, yeah, it was. Okay. okay. And he says to you, let's start a shredding business. So what, like, what do you do with that? Like, did you go out and buy a truck or? Yeah, basically I looked at him like, you're nuts, right? I laughed it off, but then he kept coming to me and saying, now about this new business, what are we going to call it? <laughs> And so after about the fifth time he asked me, I realized he was pretty serious. And he went with one of his right hands with his own business to go investigate. He went and looked at trucks. I believe they attended a NAIDS, well, it wasn't called iSigma, a NAIDS conference. He looked into the industry pretty well. And so then, you know, we went ahead and started it. He, you know, it's funny in the building industry for commercial cleaning, You don't have to have a thousand accounts to make a good living. You have to have some big accounts. And that was his specialty. So anyway, this was a different sort. This is heavy on having a lot of businesses. And so the approach was a lot different. And that was a, a learning curve for both of us to figure out, gee, we can't get four sales and we're set. You know, this is a sales heavy industry. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that's an interesting starting place. So you come out of teaching and you're a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. And now you're in the shredding business right. and Walt's got his own, he's got his own janitorial maintenance business. Yes. And now you're in it. it was the first thing a truck? Is that the first thing you did is buy a truck? I believe so. Yes, sir. And yeah. we got one of the old shred techs where you had to do a lot of heavy labor to get those going as my driver had told you about. But yeah, we started way back when. If you look at those old trucks, they look significantly different than what we use now. Yeah. So you, you've you got this truck and it, when you come into the business and start to be actively engaged in the business, 
what what's like do you have a few clients do you have a lot of clients are you just getting started what's the like what's your part of the origin story of this business because i get that that this is something Walt's doing, but he's including you and it's yeah. now a business that you're now running. Right. So tell me a little bit about when you're getting started. How are you thinking about this? What are you feeling? What are you seeing and experiencing? So actually he had more information about the business than I did at the beginning. And yeah. so he was the one beginning with, you know, a, a small number of clients. It kind of catches on pretty quickly. People didn't know about it, and there wasn't a whole lot of competition. So it wasn't terribly hard to get new customers, but at the same time, it required a lot of education, and you really have to be a people person. So he set up a call center in our office. I was along for the ride. Listen, I was watching and learning and asking questions, but I thought the idea of the call center was good. So we had people calling all the time. We had an outside salesperson who would go door to door in Florida and Georgia. And we had the opportunity, I guess, whoever's there first. So we were one of the first ones there. Yeah. So, I mean, back in 2000, this is still a, this is still an industry that's, that's blossoming. It's, it hasn't sort of become ubiquitous like it is now. So you have a I have a truck back then. You've got a call center. You've got this outbound salesperson or outside salesperson who's going and knocking on doors and you start to win accounts and, you know, you start to grow this thing. So give me a sense now, like just bring it forward so people can get the sense of the scope. So in 2002, you're a single truck, sort of a, a startup in the early years of shredding. You you said earlier you cover you, your headquarters in Jacksonville, but you cover Florida and Yes, and sir. Georgia, you mm-hmm. said. Yes. Yeah. So so after that, you know, after a couple of years went by, we did have a need for another truck and we moved up. I know we got a really big truck that could shred anything. It was called the ST-75. And I mean, those things could shred a shredder. OK, so they were <laughs> super great at shredding. The one thing that was difficult is if there were any tight spaces. That's a really big truck. So, you know, you grow. You listen to advice from people, you talk to suppliers and so forth, and sometimes you get great advice and other times you get terrible advice. So one of the things we heard is, oh, go get, first of all, don't ever require contracts because you don't need those and that's your edge in competing in the industry. So at the beginning, we didn't really know, hey, get a contract, you know? Right. The second thing we were advised that was a mistake is, Go get those big 96-gallon bins. You are you can sell it by saying we don't have to, you know, you won't have to pay that much because we don't have to come that often and everything. And so we got a really big supply of those, which a lot of people salivate at now because they're looking for those. But, right. you know, as you're growing, you're trying to figure things right. out as best as you can. And you're going to make mistakes. And we're good with that. Yeah, well, mistakes are those those lovely little scar tissue things that we all carry with us from all the lessons we've learned. And and when you start in twenty in two thousand, you get even more scar tissues than the average person. Yes. So it's just part of the it's just part of the deal, isn't it? Yeah. The other aspect too was, you know, I was staying home part time with my little kids, and mm. so Walt had to hire staff. He did a good job. It's different now. We both run it now, and I've been running it for quite a number of years, lots of years. But I did want to say that I had staff that, 
you know, I sort of knew them, but they didn't really know me that much. And they certainly didn't respect me at the beginning mm. because they knew the software better than I did. They knew the processes. They knew the pricing. And so that whole thing is a whole HR thing that some right. people have to grow into. And, you know, you have to learn. If you don't learn, you're done. Because if you can't get your staff on board that you know what you're talking about, you know, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Well, based on what you've said to me already, I've got like a couple of streams of thought already brewing, but I, I feel like I'm going to go down this one first. So Walt is your husband. You've already mentioned that. He started another business. He starts this business. He says, you have this has to be in your name. And I understand the implications of why we put it yeah. in each other's names, just based on tax and all that kind of stuff, liabilities, those kind of things. But Starting a business and managing a business over 23 years together is its own layer of interesting complexity. And I know in the shredding industry, there's lots of couples who try and do this and some uh, do okay and others struggle. So because you're a veteran of this world, because if you've been at it 23 years, you've, you're doing something right. You've got something figured out. So what are some of the things you've learned about being working together, working together effectively as husband and wife, as partners in the business. Give me a sense of that. What have you learned that others may struggle with? Well, I would say, first of all, it's never easy to put two people together, whether they're married or not. But I think there is a, a certain extra layer when it's a marriage. And one of the things that this business has taught us, but it could have been a plumbing business or anything, it's that you have to find out what you're good at and respect what the other person is good at. And we, mm. I just thank God with all my heart, we figured that out. Hey, let me tell you, there were many slam doors, you know, many arguments in that making, but it is a good thing. I really feel like it helped us to figure out and appreciate each other, which I mm. tremendously appreciate Walt's logistics sense. He's just so good at that. And he is maybe more introverted or laid back or whatever. And he's not so interested in doing all the talking. And I have no problem with that. <laughs> so, right. Hence having you on the show yeah. and not Walt. Yeah. Right. I, I, so, so it sounds like one of the things you, you have figured out and I, I'm interested in where you maybe learn some of these lessons, but you you talked about sort of knowing what each other's good at. But I think related to that is one thing to know what each other's good at. It's another thing to stage out of each other's lane. Yeah. So how did you learn to recognize what each other are good at, but also keep out of each other's way? Yeah. And and that's a right. that's a challenge I see in many situations that I go into and I look at at people who are married, sometimes even partners, and they just don't know how to stay out, out of each other's way. So wow. give me a sense of how you learned that. What were some of the experiences that caused you to become good at this? Yeah, I, I really do think that it's about trial and error mm -hmm. and that we make a lot of mistakes before we figure that out. So maybe there was a certain issue that I thought I knew just as much as Walt did about it. And in the end, it's like, oh, God, I should have listened to him. And then the same thing, you know, on his end where I may have had a certain approach that I wanted to take and he's like, no, no, you don't need to do that. But in the end, what I wanted to do really worked out much better. 
So I could give you an example way back in the old days. You know, when you're first starting a business, you're really kind of protective about everything about your business. You don't want your competition to know anything. You don't want to share anything. You're afraid that if people find out, they're going to come right in, eat up all your business. And that's happened. Don't get me wrong. That has happened. But one of the things, my mission, because I'm a people person, was to stretch myself to meet other people in the industry. And that's what I did. I looked around to see who are other women-owned businesses in this industry. I flew and met a good friend of mine, uh, Mary Pat Kalina, at All Shred in Fredericksburg, Maryland. I met her. I met Toby Interfield when she and her husband, Stephen, had their business. And she was such an advocate. She's like, Margaret, you got to go get NAID certified, which we hadn't up to that point. Mm. So meeting, first of all, meeting other like-minded people in the business. And I would, honestly, I was just nervy enough to call people up and say, can I come see your business? Can you talk to me? Yeah. Well, and, and in doing that, you, you get all this insight, which then you bring back to Walt and then you have to sort of converse about that because he's got a way of looking at things and you have a different way of looking at things because you've now experienced it because you've been out doing it. So over time you get better at being in your lanes. How, like if, if I followed the two of you around for a week and just was, (laughs) you know, just a. Like, is there, is there a lot less arguments? Is there a lot less headbutting today than there was oh, 10, 15 years yes. ago? What's the, what's the distinction now? Yeah, I would just say, and I have this approach also with our employees, you learn to respect one another and stay out of their way. Don't get in their business. Have the confidence to know he's going to handle it. And he has the confidence to know I'm going to handle it. And it all works out well. And we start seeing more and more success. So each of us gets a little braver with that. I mean, you grow into it. Yeah. 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 That's, that's really cool. So, so here, here, the two of you have this 23 year old business, husband and wife working together, processing all that. And, and then I'm going to bring another piece in because you mentioned it, but this is part of the reason I wanted to have you on today is three months ago, uh, I had the opportunity to interview one of your employees, Jesus, who came on our, our truck, our, our longtime truck driver special. And I'll, I'll make sure there's links in the show notes to anyone who hasn't heard that. But Jesus comes on the show and he's been with you 15 years. And one of the cool things about talking to a driver and generally drivers don't get a lot of airplay in kind of podcasts like this, but we had him on and it's really cool to hear someone like Jesus talk about, you know, his contribution to the business, how much he enjoys it and loves it. And, you know, we got to see a little bit of uh, get an insight of what he's like, but what I'm interested in today is, and one of the reasons I really wanted you on is Jesus might be an incredibly great employee, but at the same point in time, it's really hard to keep great employees if you're not a great place to work. And so the question I have is, what have you and Walt done to create an environment or create a system or create a business that actually keeps somebody for 15 years? I mean, that that to me is the intriguing thing that more of the listeners of our podcast will be interested in hearing. That's a really good question. And it hasn't been without, you know, problems. We have had turnover. 
It just happens in the industry. I don't think anyone gets to have a team that they all stay 16 years, unfortunately. But I think Walt and I had a lot to learn when it came to managing employees. We mm. struggled with some micromanagement. I've had to really pull back, even though I was tempted to go in and handle things. I think it's about learning to trust your team and let them know you trust them and give them opportunities to step up. Jesus, he has, I think with his background, first of all, he's a very unusual, amazing person, but I have several, lots of those on my staff, but just about him, he used to be his own business owner. So he really right. could relate to what we as business owners were trying to accomplish. He did not want to continue being a business owner, but he, he understood that we greatly respected his knowledge, his advice. He is always advising us. And, you know, I give it to Walt. He's always asking, hey, Seuss, what do you think? Mm. So, I mean, we do this with all of our staff. I think valuing their, your people is so important. I was sitting to two, with two of my admin staff yesterday, and I can't tell you what a warm feeling I have to have them sitting there with me, me being able to say, guys, I need you. Tell me what you think. And just yeah. just getting them to be a big part of the leading of this company. It's really exciting and fun. Yeah. So it, it sounds like there's an element in you in, in you and Walt that really goes back and says, what what's your instinct? What's your insight? Give me your input. And at the same time, I, I think you talked about it with you and Walt. Once they get to a level of success, you have to kind of release and let them do what they're really good at. Yes. Because in in many cases, I just from talking to Jesus back three months ago, what, what became insightful for me was what you just said. He did own a business that he no longer wanted to run, but he had all of that instinct that came from being a business owner that he can share that that makes you as a company better. Yes. But you got to you got to release him to be better, right? That's, that's, I think the interesting thing that, that, that shows up for me. So what else have you done from a, from a employer role that feels like it creates an environment that's sticky? And I, I realize we've all made mistakes, but you know, what else has been beneficial or what other lessons have you learned that's been really good for holding and keeping employees? Cause frankly, the last few years has been tough. It's yeah, just been a tough. It has. I think one of the things I've been very blessed with a, a good network here locally that mm. I can go to. I really don't like placing ads. We can do it. And we have had success with those ads on Indeed and so forth. But it's so important to make sure that the kind of people that you hire, you you like, they like you. I mean, that to me, that's number one. You You guys have to like each other in a small business. And you have to seem likable and you kind of have to share just some of the same goals and that kind of thing. So I've gotten a lot of good leads from local friends and neighbors mm. and other business people on excellent employees. And then when they come with us, man, do I value them? I really do because yeah. I've realized how little I could do without them. And right. They are the face every customer of mine sees, and I want them to know how special my people are, which I tell them, I try to show it to them. 
we try to do all those extras, you know, on holidays or remember their birthdays and do team events and all that kind of thing. But I think when it comes down to it, if people do not think you care about them, they are not going to stay. It, the caring is a big issue. The second thing is it's okay for people to make mistakes and they have to feel like, oh, it's not the end of the world if I make mistakes. And so I will share with them when I screw up and say, oops, I did this and it's fine. I don't mind if you make mistake. Let's just figure out what system we can improve. I don't focus on that person. I focus on our systems to see, okay, mm. is there something we can do that can help them do their job and kind of close some of the gaps. Yeah, that's so good, Margaret. So good. So you've been at this 23 years and you've built a really nice business. You've got employees that stay. You go through all the struggles that all of us go through. But what are you most excited about in this industry right now? What what's what has you what has you excited, thrilled, passionate about this business that you're in right now? Well, kind of I alluded to it earlier, but just being involved in the industry, being around a lot of high achievers, it's so exciting. And even meeting new people to the industry, it's just in this industry, it really does feel like a small, big family, if that makes any sense. Yep. So I'm yeah. very excited about the people I know in the industry and what we all share together, whether it's through I Sigma committees or mastermind or, you know, just getting together. I have a group of ladies that I get together with every Friday morning virtually for coffee. We're, we all began in the same industry. We talk business. We talk family. I'm excited about all the learning opportunities that are in the industry, like Tread School and the webinars and getting my CSDS. And But I would say my favorite is the networking and just getting to talk to other people in the business. Yeah. Well, and I, I think you're you're very humble in your approach because you you talk about the the excitement of being involved in the network in the industry. But one of the cool things I know about you is, you know, for the last year and you will continue in this role, you serve on the iSigma board of directors, yeah. which is a contribution, which is a significant contribution to the industry. Can, can you tell me why you chose to do that versus just committees and other things? Small businesses are, you know, they take a lot of time and a lot of focus and a lot of energy, but the a board of directors, an association that, that like I Sigma demands time, focus, energy, contribution that's way above and beyond just having a network. So yeah. why did you do that? And what are the benefits that you've already obtained from that position or that role that you've played? Well, listen, I had some great acquaintances that advocated for me to get involved. That's where it started. And so then I got my feet wet by starting on a committee and then as you get to moving forward with that, you start to get to know some of the other people on the board and all that kind of thing. And it just seemed like something, you know, we all want a legacy at some point, even if it's mm. just a dot of time. We want to say, hey, we gave back. And you always get so much more than you give when you're yeah. giving back. It's just, it's a lovely thing. So I wanted to Part of it was selfish. I wanted to learn. I want to learn from the best. I want to know what's going on all over the country, all over the world. On the I Sigma board, we have people from all over the world. 
it is just a delight to know them personally, but also yeah. to learn from them and learn where our industry is going. What are some of the new regulations and approaches that are being tried? And what are some of the things that people are having challenges? It sure makes us close neighbors when we hear maybe somebody in Europe is having the same problem I am in Jacksonville, Florida. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that's really good. And and I and I think sometimes what you said there, a a different way of looking at the industry, right? Because you when you sit on a board, you're you're looking at the industry from a different perspective, not just from the seat that you hold as an owner. So you you have a you have sort of a global view and then then you go back into your business and you have this local view. And I, I think that's profoundly beneficial. Sitting on boards gives you an insight that you just don't get even on committees or networking or conferences. This board gives you a way of thinking about where's the industry going? What's happening? How do we how do we prepare for it? And, you know, your board packs and your board minutes and the conversations around that table become an important indicator to you of what's happening. So. I, I I can see how that serves you so well. So let let's assume a young couple or or a younger woman comes to you and says, I'm interested in getting into this business. What are the top three things, pieces of advice you'd give them to actually consider this? What how what would you how would you talk to them? Well, I actually met a really nice lady who was just getting into the business at this last I Sigma conference and we chatted about a number of things, but I, I talked to her about equipment and different kinds of software and all that kind of thing. I just think if I had to give three pieces of advice, one would be get involved in the industry on every mm. level you can. Try to learn as much as you can. I think my love for lifelong learning has has helped us a lot. I want to know about everything. And also you always like, okay, I don't want to get behind. Let me let me know what I'm not doing that I should be doing. And then the second would be to network and join those groups like Mastermind. And you know, if there's shredding companies in your state but they're not in your competitive area, maybe you want to make those connections. I know our connections have allowed us to do subcontracting all over the United States because right. of all of those connections. So yeah. yes, it will help your business. And yeah. then the last thing would be just to participate as much as you can in building your team. If, mm. if you don't have a good solid team, that's not going to work. So you, you need to have that solid team who's going to be behind you and happy to promote your business for you because they love their job. So I would just say, take care of your team, love your team, and you'll do fine. Oh, that's so good. So good, Margaret. Such, such a good insight and a great perspective. So, so this young woman comes to you and says, I'm thinking about keeping my husband involved. <laughs> what, what, would you give any layers of extra Oh, her. sure. That's the fun part, you know? Oh, okay. So say, what, what what would you tell I her? I would tell her it was the best marriage therapy we ever had <laughs> because you really have to make the business work. So if yeah. the two of you can't work together, the business is not going to work. So you better just get it together, try to be humble with each other, and try to realize that, in my view, God puts you two together for a reason, and you can do this. If we did it, Anybody can do it. 
Right. And and sometimes that's the thing that, that we have to remember, isn't it? It's that, you know, we're all just trying to figure our way throughout this stuff. And sometimes businesses force us into having to figure stuff out because a lot of times in, in relational stuff, we can kind of avoid it, but somehow the business just forces stuff to, to come to the surface and it, it's painful and it's also beneficial. So no, that, that's, that's really, that's really great. So any other advice, not necessarily for a newbie getting into the business, but you're, you, you're such a seasoned veteran of this industry and you've seen a lot, you've gone through a lot, you've learned a lot over the years. Is there any final words of wisdom you'd give the community, the, the community of, of shredding companies, information destruction companies, anything else that you would remind them of as we conclude our call today? I would just say my approach with competition, of course, there should be healthy competition. But what I have found is my competitors are some of my favorite people and some of my best friends. They really, most people have a lot of integrity and they are not out to steal from you. You know, every once in a while you'll find somebody and you're, you know, you're wondering about it, but for the most part, get to know some of the people in your state. You know, in the end, you guys could work together and build an even more beautiful, strong company than you already have. So I would say we're not enemies work know your industry fellows and get to get to be friends and work with them that's that's my opinion that is so i margaret i've never heard anyone talk about it that way and i i think it's <laughs> such an important thing because what i see uh, sometimes from the seat i sit at is when those relationships yes you're competitive but at the same time down the road one of the competitors might decide mm, i i've had enough of this industry and and they might, because of the way you have worked with them in the in the relationship, may come to you and say, "Hey, rather than sell to a national or a major or somebody like that, I, I, are you interested in buying?" I've seen it happen, mm -hmm. and so much of that comes from that perspective, which is there's generally enough room for everyone in a marketplace. Yes, there is, um, and and it's kind of like you know, it's kind of like the the laws of nature, you know, when there's there's too many rabbits, then the foxes get, more foxes show up and vice versa. So it's kind of interesting how a market can hold the c competition. But if you can actually be a a kind competitor versus an antagonistic competitor, potentially good things happen. Wow. Never heard anyone talk about that before. And I think that's delightful. So thank you for sharing that. Margaret, this has been really cool to have you on the show. I'm really grateful for you in the industry. I'm grateful for the the impact you're making by sitting on the board and the years of service that you and Walt have had in this industry. And really great to have you on the program today. And thanks for for closing the loop on the Jesus podcast, because I feel I was really looking for that insight from you about keeping people like him around for a long, long time. So thank you again for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Tom. And a big thank you to all the people I know in the industry who have done nothing but show me the love and teach me. I love them and appreciate them so much. 
Thanks again for listening to the Shred Coach Podcast with Tom Adams. Make sure to visit tomadams.com for executive coaching, advisory board services, podcasting, training, and more. And subscribe to our email list so you can have first access to brand new strategies, tips, and ideas from trusted shredding and business professionals.